What up, people? It's 2023, and the Disciple Hinson podcast is back and better than ever because you got a new interviewer named PK, at least for this episode. PK interviews me on what is a church. This is part of our Welcome to Hinson class, which I helped teach uh, this last week. We had a great discussion. But we're going to do five episodes on kind of the basics of our church, from church leadership to a culture of discipling, all sorts of good stuff. Uh, but this is the first one. It was a new class. What is a church? And that's what we're talking about today. I think you'll find it enjoyable. At least PK and I did. All right, uh, PK, we haven't decided who's going to start this episode oh, yeah. off because we're a little role reversal. Yeah, it is. I've interviewed reversal. you. Now you are going to interview me. Yes. Amen. So it is now PK on DHP, not DGS on DHP. Okay. So welcome to the Henson Podcast. Disciple Henson Podcast. Disciple Henson yes. Podcast 2023. Woo! First episode of 2023. And uh, you've been promoted. Been promoted just for one, one episode. We're going to cast one pod. This year, hopefully, maybe more down the road. And what are we going to talk about? We're going to be talking about what is a church, Dan. That's the question that we're going to try to answer today. What is oh, a church? Okay, I got to close some of my other Google Docs here because I thought we were talking about uh, red pandas. Oh, red pandas. Okay. Well, that's what Sam's uh, <laughs> report was on, and I had those up on my computer. So if you want to know about red pandas, you can talk to Sam Schreiner about that. But we're going to talk about what is a church, right? Yep, that's right. All right, let's do it. So, Dan, you just taught on. What is a church in the Welcome to Hinson uh, class on the Sunday morning? How did I go? I tried to. I tried to. I, I think it went well. I was thankful for those who came. <laughs> Great. We, we had a good conversation. Good conversation. Um, and Dan, so how, why is the church so important and how is it important? Like, Okay. Uh, so the church is, you know, the, the people of God and uh, we'll get more into that. It's important because, um, because this is who Christ died for. Uh, he, this is his body. Um, the church is Christ's body uh, on earth, and um, we are to image and make the gospel visible um, by the way that we love one another. Um, much of, well, the, the, the Bible is written to the church, uh, but particularly some of the specific like epistles and letters in the New Testament are written to the church, and we are to read them today as the church and not just individually. So I'm sure we'll get more into that, but um, yeah, the church is, the church is who the, the Lord is, has saved, is saving, and will save on the final day. So yeah, it's pretty important. Mm. Well, I uh, once asked Mark Dever, because you know, the nine marks people like, uh, I was like, man, we talk about the church a lot. Can you overemphasize the church or mm -hmm. can you uh, talk about it too much or something? Yeah. And he did saying? that typical Mark Dever kind of like looked up to think about it for a second. And he's like, nope, you can't. You can't overestimate. Mm -hmm. You can't overemphasize how important the church is. All right. I, I think he's right. I guess the podcast is over now. So uh, okay. I think we're done, Dan. It's good because it's really <laughs> hot in this room. It, it sure is. <laughs> well, so, Dan, uh, I'm going to push back on, on you in a little bit here right now. So, well, what about the thief on the cross? Well, he, was he part of a church? Like, I mean, he died next to Jesus. So, Oh, like, yeah. The, the classic thief on the cross, you know, wasn't baptized. Yep, wasn't baptized. Wasn't he, ever a member of a local heaven, church. Right? Yeah, you see I mean, Jesus said, Jesus said so surely. Um, well, you know, 
he actually he, the thief on the cross was part of the universal church okay um because Can you unpack what what was that you so mean? the universal church is all people across time and space uh that will only be there will only be a gathering of that church like revelation 7 9 mm-hmm. like before the throne right um so so they haven't gathered yet so we they have not gathered okay. yet uh that's a f- future gathering and so we trust the thief on the cross um will be a part of that gathering but uh, it's good not to, it, for things like the thief on the cross. It's good not to build out a whole theology just based on that particular thing. I, I don't think that's what the writers of scripture were intending us to do. They weren't mm-hmm. like, well, since the thief on the cross wasn't baptized, you don't need to bother getting baptized. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a part of a local church, so you don't have to be part of a local church. I think clearly in the narrative of of the gospels, that's not what's going on. Yeah. So. Okay. So yeah, in one sense, he is part of the church, not part of a local church. So just because something is not essential for salvation um, doesn't mean that it's not of utmost importance, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think there is a category for those who are, were never a member of a local church who will be in heaven, other than the thief on the cross. Yeah, okay. Uh, but I do think still, like just like I think there's a category for those who have maybe never taken the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. or been baptized, those are, those are commanded by the Lord, very important. This is how we see the gospel in the elements, but um, in the ordinances rather, but it, it, they're not essential for salvation, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, and, and Dan, just to double click on, uh, you mentioned a, a distinction between a universal church and a local church. So what is a local church and how would you define that? And yeah. how is it different than the universal? What? Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. If you if you look at where um, the word church is comes up in scripture, mm-hmm. it's maybe like 114, 109 times, something like that. Wait, in the where, New Testament. Did, where did the six hundred fourteen and hundred nine? Well, okay. Six, so yeah. the word's ecclesia. Okay. Which just means gathering or assembly. Okay. So like uh, the riot in Ephesus, I think mm-hmm. I think is literally referred to as an ecclesia uh, or gotcha. assembly or gathering. Okay. But that wasn't actually referring to a church. Uh, it's like just referring how to- we think about church today. Okay. So it's a very general word. Um, It's used a bunch in the New Testament, like I said, over a hundred times. And most of the time that that word is used, it's talking about an actual gathering, Mm -hmm. like a a local assembly. This is, this is what it seems to the, the writers of scripture seem to be referring to so often the way we talk about church today, uh, I think in our culture is we trend more maybe towards universal church in some mm-hmm. cases where the writers of scripture uh, want to really emphasize that local gathering mm-hmm. that has, you know, that is taking the Lord's Supper together, that knows one another who, you know, when uh, the writer of Hebrews tells the, that church to obey its leaders, mm-hmm. it's not just saying like obey the leaders of the universal church, but yeah. like the, the local church that they're a part of. Yeah. Or so. all the epistles when Paul is writing to particular churches like in Ephesus or, or something like that. Yeah. Gotcha. Now when it says Jesus is the head of the church mm-hmm. in, in Ephesians one, yeah. it's talking about, I think, uh, I think more universal, right? Mm-hmm. He's the head of like all those who have been bought by the blood of the lamb right, right. and not just in Ephesus. Gotcha. Now, certainly those in Ephesus too, but yeah. you know, maybe bigger, bigger scope there. That makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, with the local church, how would you define a local church then? Well, is it just geographical, like, oh yeah, like the church in Portland, I mean, it's regionally defined or is it more specific than than just geographic place, local? Yeah. So that's a good question. What, I mean, that gets us right to the nub of what we're talking about, right? What is a local church? Um, Coming out of the Protestant Reformation, 
the the reformers seem to identify and define church with two marks, which is the the right preaching of the word, and the and the right use of the sacraments. Two marks with a third mark um, by inference from the sacraments, which is the practice of church discipline, mm-hmm. which is an, an, a whole other discussion. Yeah. It's like if that a church, might be another podcast. Yeah, if a church doesn't practice church discipline, does that mean that they're a true church? According to the reformers, they might have some issues with that. Um, you know, I really like the biblical theology, um, that we, we had an opportunity to do on Sunday, mm, nice. uh, about Give how, us a sneak peek of that. Yeah. What, let what? me, let me just quick trace a storyline of how it seems from the very beginning, like the church wasn't an afterthought of when Jesus brings it up in Matthew 16, mm-hmm. after Peter confesses that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. Yeah. Um, that's not like, oh, I, Jesus isn't like, oh, I got an idea. Let's create a people uh, out of this. No, that goes all the way back to Genesis one. Mm. So, if you if you think about this idea of the gospel made visible or a representation of of, of the God visible on earth from the very beginning, you know you see that God created man in His own image, male and female together. Mm. I think that's really key. Male yeah. and female together, like Adam couldn't was incompetent to represent God just mm-hmm. on his lonesome. But so once again, the, the woman Eve was not an afterthought for yeah. God. He was like, this is how we're g- I'm going to make, um, my image more visible yeah. or visible here on earth is the way that they love one another. And we cer- certainly see that in like in Ephesians five and yeah. then all the way revelation 21 in terms of like this beautiful image of marriage. But, um, and then you see that storyline from Genesis one, you know, Genesis three, they, it's like they break the, the mirror or they shatter the mirror that is to be a reflection of what God is like. But then God creates a people in Israel mm-hmm. and they are, Israel's is referred to as God's son. So like father, like son, mm-hmm. they are to represent what God is like to the nations and to, to one another. Um, and that's a corporate yeah, it's all it's, Israel it's all together. corporate. Yeah. It's corporate. Yeah, it's not just referring to Moses or one yeah. of the patriarchs or whatever. Um, and then uh, you know, and then when Christ comes, Christ is referred to. This is my, you know, God's the voice from heaven says, the Father says, "This is my beloved Son, mm-hmm. with whom I'm well pleased," um, and He is the perfect. You know, he does, Christ does what Israel could not do, which is perfectly represent what God is like. Yeah. And so everything that Christ does as the son is to represent what the father, he, the, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And then, um, you know, f- f- Jesus creates the church, which is, again, um, to be a picture of what God is like. Um, when G- When Peter finally confesses on behalf of the disciples to get like, who Jesus is in Matthew 16 and in the gospels. Um, Jesus says he, that's what he's going to build his church on rightly identifying who Jesus is, mm-hmm. uh, the King yeah. and that Jesus is Lord. And, uh, and then, you know, first John three, two set in glory. We will, we will, when we see him, we will be like him, like Christ. Um, and the, we will enjoy that, uh, being able to reflect perfectly what what God is like together as mm-hmm. the church as those who are worshiping him so the the church is to represent the the, the church is to make the gospel visible 
um, the the churches to worship. Um, they are a gathering of worshipers, um, and that's what, when we show the worth of what God, who God is. Yeah, that that's what the church is. So that's kind of is that a definition, or is that more what the church is to do? Yeah. I mean, we could we could talk about that. Um, so that's what we first did in our class yeah, on on Sunday is kind of uh, trace that biblical theology all the way from creation to glory. Yeah, that's helpful. Any follow ups from that? In, in some senses, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it sounds like you're describing that the universal church uh, takes physical form in all these little local churches that we see at Hinson Baptist Church is just a picture of that gospel taking visible form. Yeah, they're like little outposts of yeah. heaven. Every yeah. every local assembly. And once again, I do want to underline that I think it's it's no accident, even though it's a broad word the New Testament uses for church, mm-hmm. it is gathering. Yeah. It it is an assembly, uh, a gathering of people. Um, so that's why our conviction, at least among elders here at Hinson, is that it becomes confusing if you're having multiple if you're calling like uh, for a long period of time without a plan to change it, like multiple campuses mm-hmm. or multiple services, they're all part of one church. It's just kind of messing what, yeah. the, what the word itself yeah. is getting at and even how then they are to, yeah. it's hard for, for somebody I, who I've never met or I don't know um, and is a part of a different worshiping gathering. Yeah. It actually is more fundamental yeah. for us to make the gospel visible together. Cause yeah. that's getting, that's bleeding into a little bit more of what the universal church is that's rather right. than the local that's assembly. Right. That's right. So, so then if we thank you for that, a distinction between universal church and local church. So, uh, at a basic fundamental level, what, what is the church to do? Or, or I guess, what is the church to be? Well, um, that brings us, I would say, uh, to like, who is the church? Um, and I like the way that Jonathan Lehman defines it in his church membership book that we give away all the yeah. time, that little blue book. Blue book. Um, if you want a copy, find Dan. Yeah, or any of the staff. Yeah. We, we've we got copies for you. Very helpful book. But this is how Lehman defines it, and I'll, I'll say it slowly. A local church is a group of Christians who regularly gather in Christ's name to officially affirm and oversee one another's membership in Jesus Christ and his kingdom through gospel preaching and gospel ordinances. So I hope that brings together some of the things we've already been talking about. Um, But I think, you know, one of the things I often say to, to folks, especially as they're coming into membership here, is that one of one of the reasons to join a local church is is it's like assurance of salvation co-op mm-hmm. and it's to it's basically to come into a church saying is to say i cannot follow jesus on my own <laughs> so that, that i mean that's a confession of like uh, again, like Adam <laughs> yeah. in the beginning, like yeah. he's incompetent to do, to, to, uh, to do the, the task that God has called him to on his own. And I need help from other Christians who are committed to the same gospel, who are confessing Jesus as Lord. And, uh, will you help me? And we help one another. And one of the, so that's what the definition is getting at in terms of, we do that by regularly gathering like Hebrews yep. 10, 24, 25. That's an, again, definitional to what a church yep. is. Um, and we officially affirm and oversee one another's membership in Jesus Christ. So that's where, once again, that's going to the, to the keys that yep. we see in Matthew 16 and 18, um, to this idea of binding and loosing. 
And uh, we do that through gospel preaching. Um, Again, that was the primary mark of the church. Uh, God's Word is proclaimed, and that's God's Word forms the church. So we could do a whole other biblical theology of God's Word and how it forms God's people from Genesis 1, and you could, you know, pick up on things like Ezekiel 37, all the way to Revelation. Um, And then the gospel ordinances, that's one of the ways that we affirm and oversee, because we are to not just examine ourselves, but like examine ourselves, plural, before that we might take a the the elements yeah. in, a, in a worthy way. I'm, I'm gonna get yeah. back to uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper here, okay. but but uh, before I do that, I want to push back a little bit because um, yeah, I hear you, Matthew 16. I hear you, Matthew 18. Mm-hmm. I hear you, Acts 2. Mm-hmm. But well, I'm still not convinced. Uh, and what would you say to somebody who... You got to do the residency again, bro. I, I know, maybe I do. How'd you get on staff? Uh, but what what would you say to somebody who says, well, I show up on Sunday... Uh, I'm list, I'm reading good Christian books during the week, um, meeting with other Christian brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe they're my neighbors or my coworkers, um, but I'm still not willing to join a church because I just don't know if that's biblical. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I would I would say um, then well let's just look at the Bible. Yep. Like so, you pointed us to Acts two, which is you know after. Peter's Pentecost sermon, yep. we, we see kind of this description of what the church does, uh, what it's all about. It's devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of the bread, to the fellowship, and so on and so forth. Um, but then also, uh, to go back to what a church is in Matthew 16 and 18, if that's great that you're doing all those things. I don't want to knock any of those yeah. things. But what does it look like for you to bind and loose with the people of God? Mm as you have been called to, um, how are you doing that? And, you know, there's all, we could have a whole nother podcast of what it means to bind and loose yeah. in Matthew 16 and 18. But at the very least, it's talking about an authority that Jesus, and you could go, that you see that in Matthew 28 as well. You can mm-hmm. trace that, you know, Jesus has given the church authority yeah. to bind and to loose. And that is to to, to proclaim, I mean, this is, I think, what Lehman's getting at, to oversee one another's membership in Christ. How are you helping other Christians follow Jesus and be an encouragement and, assur- and help assure uh, one another of salvation and exercise the fruit of the Spirit yeah. in community, exercising all those one another's? What does that look like if you're primarily looking to the church as... And I, I wouldn't come right out like this and yeah. say it if you were saying it like this, yeah, but yeah. Uh, what I'm thinking is, oh, you're looking, you're looking to the church's spiritual service provider, mm-hmm. kind of like a more consumeristic mindset, which we all, I mean, that's the water we swim yeah. in, right? Yeah. So that's all we, of our, yeah. we're prone to. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly maybe more so today than at any other time. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Does so, that answer your question? Yeah, and it sounds like there is a difference between what what an individual Christian does and what a corporate local church does. And that I wanted to come back to the uh, Lord's Supper and baptism. And so how, how, why are these two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper, what's so significant that only churches are, have the authority to, to do them? Yeah. So it's clear, say in first Corinthians 11, Mm -hmm. that, um, and this that, is regarding Lord's Supper. I'll start yeah. with Lord's yeah. Supper. Lord's Supper. That this is a corporate meal mm. for the church. 
because Paul takes the church of Corinth to task that actually their celebration of the Lord's Supper is became, becoming an occasion for disunity mm-hmm. rather than unity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and in that first Corinthians passage, uh, there's this idea of waiting for one another, which implies that it's a corporate meal gathering, not just like you're just waiting for your friend. Right. And oh yeah, let's eat some bread together. Exactly. So, yeah. 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 And also, and we should get like Jeff Lassine on here cause he did a great job at HES of tracing kind of the biblical theology of the Lord's supper and baptism from the old Testament, um, all the way to the new. Nice. Yeah. He took a good hour and a half to do that. And it was nice. really edifying. Um, another shout out to and that, HES. And maybe, maybe, uh, sign up for that class if you're interested. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Signups aren't available yet, but okay. they will be. So tell me if you're interested, but what the long and short of it is, um, the Lord's supper comes from the background. What's in the background is the Passover meal in which the nation of Israel is celebrating, um, when the Lord passed over and, and rescued them and the, you know, the Exodus is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and he spared them and it, it, it was meant to be something that is celebrated as a people of God. It's not an individual meal. And I think what we see, you know, how, I mean, to then fast forward to the, the early church, how they're understanding baptism and the Lord's supper are these, these corporate, uh, means to exercise those very keys. It's like this authority. You're not just the baptism is not just an individualistic decision. Like, Hey, I'm a Christian. Therefore church, you must baptize me because I say I'm a Christian and my mom and dad say I'm a Christian. All my friends say I'm a Christian because they see me doing this. No, that what does it mean then for the church to exercise any sort of authority? Mm -hmm. If they are just beholden to this person saying, I have a credible profession of faith. No, the church has some stewardship that together they are to oversee that person's membership through the entryway into the church, which is baptism. Mm -hmm. Where would you go in, in terms of the Bible for the baptism? Well, there's a, I mean, this is what in the book of Acts is just associated with conversion, conversion, mm-hmm. and then coming into the local, a local church gathering and the yeah. accountability there. And then the theology of baptism, you could do, look at Romans six, but from the very beginning, um, you know, baptism is, res- is associated with repentance and faith and then coming into the community. So that's one of the reasons why we don't function just as a chapel, like as a baptism chapel here. Mm-hmm. Like if someone comes off, like just comes here on a Sunday and it's like, Hey, I'm a Christian, but I haven't been baptized. Um, we're going to treat that baptism and membership together because that's where we see that kind of this, uh, overseeing one another and taking responsibility for one another in the local church. We're not just totally pitching it to the outside universal church right away. Uh, in the great words of Nacho Libre to get to the nitty gritty. Uh, so why is it at Hinson that for the, uh, for the Lord's supper, uh, You know, usually the pastor says something to the effect of, you know, the Lord's Supper is reserved for those who are baptized members of a local church. So where does that come from or why do you, yeah, why do you guys do that? Why do we do that? Well, uh, the lazy answer is uh, this is what the church has always done. And I'm not just talking about like the church, like the, not, pro- the yeah, true church, Hinson, Protestant church, or Hinson. Just, like I'm yeah. not even, this is true uh, in Orthodox branches of the historic church, the Roman Catholic church. And the evidence shows from early on that it was 
the, the Bible doesn't have a category for taking the covenant renewal meal without having the covenant initiation rite of mm-hmm. baptism. Mm-hmm. So it was. it's only been, I think, within, I mean, I'm going to be very generous here, within yeah. the last 100 years. Yeah, wow. In the, in the last, you know, in probably more, you know, the West. Yeah. That it was like, oh, let's get that covenant renewal meal without actually ever coming into the church through baptism. Yeah. Like, I think the apostles would have been so confused yeah. to see that happening, to see people partaking in the covenant renewal meal without the covenant kind of initiation rite of baptism. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of the, the short, simple answer that when, you know, for, for me, that kind of church history yeah. and just the, the categories that we have in scripture, yeah. that's good enough for me. But I think you could dig down deeper and, and sit and see how those are connected and interplaying with one another throughout the storyline of scripture. Yeah. Um, and, uh, even though you won't be able to find a proof text for that for that uh, practice that we do. We call that fencing the table. I think people who have been raised in more biblicist, like everything that we do has like kind of a proof text. Yeah. uh, That's going to be harder. But if we're thinking in the categories, more biblical theology and just um, how, how people throughout, we're not just entering into these conversations in a vacuum without this, this legacy of how Christians have understood this and how the church has understood it. I think then we can come a little bit more humbly and say, this is, of, of course, you would be come into the covenant community through baptism, you know, before you would take the covenant yeah. renewal meal. And it's a means of accountability as yeah, well. That makes sense. Would it be akin to kind of like, uh, you know, this last uh, summer I got married and it's like, it would not make sense to get all the, the marriage benefits, but we never had a wedding ceremony to, yeah. to initiate the actual marriage. Certainly that that's a great analogy of, of course, the analogy breaks yeah, down on a number yeah. of levels, but the, the, where it works, where the analogy works is because that's one of the few areas in our culture today where we have a category for what a covenant is, mm-hmm. which is, and when I say covenant, it's a, it's a two way street. Yeah. It's a promises, promises made to each other. Yeah. And so unfortunately, when we often think about the Lord's Supper and baptism, we're mainly thinking in terms of uh, a one-way street, like me, individual church, you are responsible to give me the Lord's Supper or to give me baptism when I say I'm ready for it. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's just, you know, once again, that's just not, that's not what a covenant yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that goes opposite. Right. Um, so uh, in your last reflections uh, here, uh, Dan, uh, what are some implications about, um, as a result of thinking about biblically, just kind of what a local church is, what a universal church is, and just what a church is in general, uh, what are some implications as a result of this? Like, what are some practical applications here? Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you asking that because we didn't, we actually ran out of time in class. The hour went by quick uh, this last Sunday. So I would say uh, three implications just to highlight. First is what the local church is not. Mm-hmm. For the, I think often we think a local church is uh, Christian plural. What, what do you mean by that? Okay, so let me give you an uh, example. Yeah, give me some examples. I uh, I was once in a church basketball league mm-hmm. um, in Pittsburgh, and uh, there was definitely non-Christians on my team, right? Yeah. It was just organized by churches. Yeah. You didn't have to sign a statement of faith to be in this basketball league. It's gotcha. just an opportunity to play basketball, yeah, and you play in church gyms, yeah? 
but we did pray before the the games nice. and i remember the very first game one of the one of the dudes leading in prayer says quotes is it matthew eighteen twenty? he says where two or three or more gathered in my name oh, there right. i am with, and yeah. he's like and you say that's it and he and he goes and makes the implication he says you know so therefore we are a church wow he's like look at your your brothers around you we are a church right now wow and uh, that just struck me because um, I think that is often how we understand uh, church is just more than one Christian gathered to do something or to have fellowship. Yeah. Because we're praying, I guess we're a church. And I think we need to back way up. Yeah. If, if that's how we're thinking about what church is, it's like when I have some Christian friends over for dinner that we are a church, so therefore we could take the Lord's Supper, we could ha- baptize someone. No, the, the church is this covenant community. Yeah. We got to come back to what the covenant, what a covenant is. And it has been, uh, it's a living organism that ha- that makes promises to one another. And it is to guard one another. Mm-hmm. It is to I- encourage one another. It's to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's to be under the preached word of God. We haven't talked a lot about the preached word of God, but that's like key. Um, So, I mean, it would have been another thing is if that guy is like, and now I'm going to preach a sermon and we're going to make promises to each other and we're going to form, you know, it's something to be formed by, by God's word. And, and I think when we see the ordinate, the commands that Jesus gives us. Mm -hmm. So simply saying a prayer with your friends and then playing some basketball is not going to, does not a church make. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. What's number two? Number two. Um, I think another implication is therefore the local church is to be distinct from the world. I think, you know, uh, I see a lot of churches who say um, kind of in their mission statement or their tagline that they want to be relevant, which Mm. I think is a good thing. You do, you don't want to be irrelevant to the church. And I think that's mainly evangelistic. But I think what is more biblical is actually if <laughs> this wouldn't sell very well, maybe on a web page, but a look rather than relevant or more important than relevant, I shouldn't say put the two mm-hmm. at odds, but holy, mm. it is a holy yeah. people set apart just like Israel was in, in many regards. Um, and what makes a church distinct is many different types of people from different backgrounds, learning to live with and to love each other. Um, you know, in First Peter 1, we read, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. There in First Peter, Peter's not just talking to PK yeah. or to Daniel. Yeah. He's talking to the church. So churches are not for those who have cleaned themselves up and made themselves holy. The churches are for sinners. Yeah. And uh, if you're not a sinner, you're not welcome at Henson, right? <laughs> um, but ch- churches are for repentant sinners, those who are seeking to together walk in repentance and faith. Um, so the, a church is to look different from the world because yeah. they're uh, because they are to be holy. So that would be n- implication number two. That's good. Well, what's the last one? What's the third? Well, I think I just begin or uh, end where I began which is um, a local church is like the focal point of God's grand plan to display his glory mm-hmm. to the nations. It, this is, if you trace the argument from the beginning of Ephesians, I think it's interesting what's going on there. In Ephesians 1, you have that amazing um, picture or that, uh, you know, that God, God you see God's sovereignty yeah. to, to um, know a people from before the foundations of the earth to call them sovereignly in his will. And then you see that he does that in Ephesians 2, by grace, we were slaves, we yeah. were dead in our sins, but because of God's grace, he made us alive in Christ. And then, so what? 
Ephesians 3, so that like the that God's manifold wisdom um, could be uh, displayed to the watching authorities yeah. um, in the church. So Ephesians 3.10, I think in many ways, uh, Paul is coming to his his conclusion, his, you know, his, his therefore, yeah. he has called a people to display what he is like. Um, and that's why I think a good way to think about the church is the gospel made visible. And we do that by the way that we love one another as we sit under the word, as we, uh, celebrate Christ's death in, um, his resurrection and baptism in the Lord's supper. And, uh, it's, and as and that's why Matthew twenty eight, you know, in the Great Commission, that's why Jesus says, "You are to go and make disciples, make little followers yeah. of me." And I think that's not just like a bunch of random people, like bricks laying around, but living stones being built up yeah. into a holy temple, and to be imaging, you know, teaching them to obey, obey everything that. that I not yeah. like a list of rules, but so that they might reflect what God is like, what the gospel is to the watching yeah. world. And even in that great commission passage in Matthew 28, uh, the make disciples, uh, the second uh, clause is to be baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, Spirit. And those yeah. are churches that yeah. are the ones who have the authority to do that. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah. That that the Lord would give that kind of authority to a bunch of people like us. Yeah, that's you right. know, And I say people like us, and I mean, I don't mean like you and me. Yeah. But like... Henson Baptist yeah, Church is right. just uh, an example. And we don't, we don't say that we're a perfect church or that we're worthy of that authority, but in God's wisdom, he gave us that kind of authority, which is something we ought to steward well and pray that God would help us. Yeah. That's helpful, Dan. Well, Dan, thanks for uh, letting me uh, host this casting another pod with you. You did here. a great job, PK. Once again, thank you. You know, every, uh, you know, I feel like uh, you mentioned that basketball story and uh, I love how it comes full circle because now you're a coach. So um, I, I couldn't do it without uh, Davey and Kaz's help. Nice. All right. Well, Talk that's to you later. all, folks. Bye.